Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you people, I am. Uh, my throat's a little scratchy. I was just back east. Uh, me and the lovely Joanne went to a wedding. And the pollen back there was just insane. I mean, honestly, cars were like yellow. This is no lie. But I ran into a little issue when I was back there. Not Nothing big, but you know me. I bitch about stuff. We, were, we went with the, the wedding with a good couple, my friends, Mike and Renee. And we decided, you know, the wedding it was in Northeast Philadelphia, which is like 35 minutes away. Now we're going to drink. You know, we don't want to drink and drive. And it's a pain in the ass to drive. You know, you're going over the Tacony Palmyra Bridge and stuff like that. So we were looking at hotels. And hotels were like 150 each. And I'm not paying $150 to stay in Northeast Philadelphia off Woodhaven Road. So we decided to get a car service. So Joanne, Joanne sits there and decides to call a person she does business with work. Great price, cheaper than a hotel. All I asked was this. I said, can you do me a favor? Tell him I don't want a white car. I'm sorry, because a white car reminds me of a prom or like a drug dealer in like Miami Vice in the 80s. So they say, no problem. There's something dark. So no lie. They pick up my friends first. He texts me. He says, oh, we got a white taxi. I think he's full of crap. Well, then he goes, no, I'm not kidding. I still think he's full of crap. You know what pulls up? A damn white car that said taxi. And I was pissed. But you know what? We went to the wedding. We had fun. We drank a lot. And it was great to be back east. Which my guest today is Dwayne Perkins. How you doing, Dwayne? Hey, how are you, Steve? And David Bowie once uh, refused a white limo. For Did the same really? exact reason, yeah. Now, what's your opinion? I mean, my girlfriend said I was crazy. The people who said the guy who runs a business right. said he's he's gotten lots of requests. Nothing like that. And I don't think it's a bad, a hard request. No, I think I don't think they should make white limos. I think that you have it. <laughs> like like. White, gray, maybe, but white, uh, you know. It's tacky. It's tacky. It's a little silly. I, I wouldn't refuse it, but it's, it's a little silly, yeah. So, and it wasn't even a limo. It said taxi cab right, on the side, right. which I'm thinking, great. And then <laughs> I felt bad for the driver on the way back, because my buddy had just gotten a uh, hernia operation, Ooh, like a week and a half. I had one of those, yeah. Did you? And I heard it's very painful, but his problem is the pain pump didn't work. So we went, and I haven't seen him forever, so we're doing shots. We started with a Jameson's open bar. Then we were drinking, they had this luge. Wow. And we're doing, then we end up with Southern Comfort. I don't know how. But like an idiot, before he went to the buffet, he took a... Uh, a pain pill so he was getting sick the whole Ooh, and I, the next day because I shouldn't have done that but now you're from Brooklyn originally from Brooklyn Brooklyn New York yeah from Coney Island um, you know I was born in uh, Brooklyn Jewish Hospital that's in Crown Heights they renamed it since but uh, yeah I was when I was first born we lived in uh, East New York in Brownsville then I moved to Coney Island when I was uh, in first grade. Now, when you were a kid, was, was comedy prevalent in your household? I mean, did, did you listen to comedy, or did you know at a young age you'd be going following this path that you've taken? It's weird. Um, yes and no. Like, my mother is really funny. Okay. Always has been hilarious. And uh, my grandmother, who raised me, because um, my mother had me quite young, my grandmother wasn't really, a, she wasn't a big laugher. She, I mean, she, some things amused her. She, she, you know, we used to watch Quincy and shows like that. But my mother could. Wait, make no, no, no. She, got, she didn't get mad. <laughs> Murder. She didn't. She thought. I hope she didn't think Quincy. No, was no, no. Uh, she didn't think Quincy was funny. <laughs> Quincy was great. No, I no, love no. Jack. But we watched like wrestling and bowling for dollars. I mean, she, she. Uh, my grandmother wasn't a laugher. She was more of a, you know, like a that. Like she would say something that's funny or kind of chuckle. But my mom could make my grandmother cry tears. Okay. And um, it was such a rare occurrence. And whenever you, whenever we got to see it, it was it was amazing. So I think from a young age, the power of that of that device of laughter was was planted in me. Because my mom would, um, for a while, she was a home a home tech person. Like she would help older people, you know, like take care of them or something. Okay. She did that for a little while, for like a year or two, a few years. But she would come home and um, imitate the people All right. that she had worked with. And for some reason, my grandmother found that so 
comical. And the beautiful thing about laughter is even when you're really young, you don't have to get the joke. If someone else is laughing, you laugh. It's that, true. That contagious thing. Laughter, yeah, it's so infectious. And, yeah. and that's true. I mean, and there's sometimes, I mean, I've sat there and, I, and I'll be honest. I haven't got a joke sometimes. Right. And other people are laughing, and I'm laughing. And then after a while, I go, I don't know why I'm laughing because I don't get it. I don't get it. But right. When people, when there's, and that, that is, it's such a powerful thing. That actually happened at the uh, wedding the other night because I was talking about Viagra, uh-huh. and I was just going on this rant, and. I felt bad because my friend had just got the hernia operation, right. but he couldn't stop laughing. Then I'm laughing. Anyone must have looked at our table and thought we were idiots because right. I was right. laughing so hard, my cheeks hurt. And that oh. didn't happen much. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, my mom was funny. I didn't realize a few things. I didn't realize how uh, I always thought my, my story growing up or what I've thought up until just a few recently, I thought I got my sense of humor from my mother and my intelligence from my father. Okay. And... Um, yeah, the last five years, that's been a bit challenging. I'm like starting to think, oh, my mother's way smarter than I All right. gave her credit for. My father, he was, he was deceased. He was probably a lot funnier than I gave him credit for. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and when I was a kid, just, you know, like I remember being in like class in, in, lunchroom, in the lunchroom and this guy, uh, Tyrone Carter, really great kid. Uh, I grew up with him. He went on to go to Stanford. Okay. Um, he played football at Stanford. He was holding court and, and two girls were just sort of like, hanging on to his every word he was making them laugh and I looked over and I'm like wow that's I like what that what he's doing right there uh, I didn't think I'd be a comic I loved comedy I, I loved telling jokes uh, even as a kid I would my grandmother had a friend I would tell her jokes I always thought I would just be you know an engineer or something like that I didn't know it wasn't I guess it wasn't until Eddie Murphy and until a friend of mine from college who I, I ran into him in the summer we ran into each other in the city and he's like, oh, I'm doing comedy. And then it was like, like what? what? Is, yeah, like, this is, you can do it? Like, what does that even mean? And then I was like, I instantly knew I would do it well, as soon as he said that. It's so funny you say that because there's so many guests have been around for a while. I don't know how long, I don't know how long you've been doing the business, in yeah, the like business for. Yeah, 18. Yeah, so a lot of people, you know, and it's so different now, but back then, that's that was the main reaction. Right. You know, it's like, okay. We see comics. How do you do it? Now, it's everywhere. There's classes. There's right, this. Right, there's right. Every, I mean, in L.A., there's thousands. I mean, in Philadelphia, there was like 25, maybe 30 comics right. total. Yeah, yeah. And back out here now, it's like, I look, I'm like, I mean, I always judge it. If I do a show, and there's like eight or nine acts on the show, and I don't know who any of them are, right, I right. feel like, okay, these, and it's not being arrogant, and I'm thinking, these people are really new. Because even the newer guys you'll run into. You'll run then, into, Then yeah. you see, it's, oh, it's Brigger Show or this. But it's just weird. It's like, but now it's so it's easier. But back then, it's true, so back many then, people. Yeah, yeah. So this what was, did you do? How did you decide to get into it? Well, this was the early 90s. And um, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to one of your radio shows and thinking about my journey. And it's a story I don't tell, I don't tell too often. I was in college. Oh, where'd you um, go? Uh, school in New York, New York Institute of Technology. Um, you know, not a great school, but... I shouldn't say that. It, you know, it's a good four-year school. You, you know, you get your degree, you be an engineer, do computer science, no, or whatever. Where, what, was it upstate, or was it... Uh, no, um, we had three campuses, two on Long Island, Long Island, Long okay. Island and uh, one in the city. Uh, true, uh, one in uh, Old Westbury, Central Islip. Are you a New Yorker, or are you a Philly Not guy? Not from yeah. Philly, but, but I, I know, because yeah. like my high school, I remember my, my girlfriend from high school went to uh, right, right, Adelphi. Right. Right, right, right. So, yeah, one in the city, one right off Columbus Circle, one campus there, and two in um, in Long Island. And it was a great, you know, good school. I was there, and, um, you know, I'm coming from Brooklyn, so whatever. I'm, I'm an RA. I was like a big man on campus. I was an RA. I would host shows, so I was kind of dabbling. Now, what kind of shows? Like, um, 
like we'd have our version of Showtime at the Apollo okay. and I would host it and I would like write jokes about people like it was real insular though because I would write jokes about people that we went to school with okay and so everyone, it was all inside inside yeah, yeah, jokes yeah, inside jokes so then I ran into that buddy I, I said I, I was like wanted to do it and um, I read somewhere that people who write their goals down over their lifetime make uh, like 10 times more than people who don't and, I, and so, so I started writing my goals down okay and um, there was one summer I was at a conference, an engineer conference. I was in the National uh, Society of Black Engineers, and I was the chapter president at my school. Okay. So we're at this job fair, and I'm talking to people, and I, I talked to this lady from Microsoft, and I'm being pretty passionate. I'm telling her I had a Commodore 64 and how much I loved it and all of that. And next thing I know, I get an interview to intern at Microsoft. And, um, and uh, they fly me out there and everything. And, you know, I, I got a pretty good shot. I didn't get the job. Two things. One, my mom told me when I got home, she said, you know, make sure you write a thank you letter. And my mom is not super on top of things, but she, for some reason she just was like insistent and I didn't do it. I didn't write the thank you letter. See, that's, that's so funny. I know people say that it makes such a difference in the world. You know, I, I definitely should have because also I had, answered, I had answered a question wrong and I got back home and I looked it up and I was like, oh. So it probably would have been great if I had sent her back a note, hey, thank you again. Oh, I realized I got this right. one thing wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, didn't do that. And I don't know, maybe maybe I didn't do it for a reason because I had written down my goals for the summer. And I wrote down, if I don't get this job at Microsoft, I'm going to start stand-up comedy. Okay. So that's what happened. It's weird <laughs> you say that because it's so funny, the engineer thing. And, and the only reason I bring this up is uh-huh. because uh, Wayne Cotter, who was yeah, like I know a, Wayne, Philly, Wayne Philly guy too. Yeah, yeah, w- yeah. Well, he's from New York, but then he went to he went to Penn. That's right, he went to Penn. He yeah. was an engineer. Uh, Don McMillan, who's from my hometown, who's broke out in San Francisco. Good right. friends with James P. Connolly, I believe. Yes, he was a uh, engineer. And it's so funny. There's like it, it's uh, Raj Sharma who was going to become an engineer. Right, it's right. so there's such a, a a really. I mean, my degree is in business yeah. management. Shayla Rivera as well. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a real there's a whole bunch of comics who were engineers and maybe it's because you know when i think of an engineer you always think of someone who's very um i can't think of the word not theoretical technical, technical logical logical, logical. Yeah, yeah. yeah i think of logical right. and a lot of comedy writing is logical i think it's a whole thing and, and, and yeah. writing code is to me and the stuff the engineers do and all the stuff you do i mean i can't figure any of that crap out but i it's it's very because if you think about a comedy our jokes for them to work do have a logic and it's, they have a formula it's math right yeah it's all math and uh, it's so crazy that a lot of people think those they're on the opposite ends of the spectrum and they're really not they're, it's all math and the thing about programming especially is that um, maybe not so now like when I was doing it um, before like now they, there's different sort of types of ways of programming and it's it's like you're putting blocks together you're not really like now once one person writes a bit of code that really works you can use that code. I mean, it was like that then, but now right. it's really like that. So you could write back then. You could write something. It should work, and it just wouldn't work. And, yeah. you'd, and you'd look it over again and again, and it would be something that wasn't – you'd have to change something that wasn't supposed to be right, and it would change the program, and it would work. A comma or something that wasn't technically wrong, you know, there was always these glitches. Right. And, and I think an audience is like that. Like, this joke should work. And then that challenge, I, I guess I, I derive a lot of pleasure from that. From like, you know, you're supposed to have a, a joke is supposed to be as short as possible. But sometimes you add a word and it's that space gives them time to catch up. And then 
it works. Yeah, it's, it's so just, and, it, and it comes in with the pausing and stuff right, like that. Right. And people don't understand, you know. It's and it is it, it is a real science, and and it, it's the thing is I think the difference between a lot of acts is, you know. And I know for me, because I used to write jokes for a website, and I write like 35 jokes a day. That's great. And some were funny somewhere. Now I tweet a lot. and and But I know sometimes, I know a joke. It's funny, because I don't use any of my tweet jokes on stage. I have right, a thousand. Right. I, don't, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. I don't, because I'm like, you know what? This isn't my style. But I know some of them are funny. And even though you can go on stage... Because right. you know when you write something that's funny. And then you know when you write it. Like when I tweet something, I start tweeting. I go, right. this is going to be stupid. And I go, the hell, then you backspace and get rid of it. But I think it's like with code, too. I think you guys, once you get into the groove, you know what works. But as you were getting involved in that business and right, the engineering right. thing, you when you sit down, you know, type, 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 type. Oh, God, this isn't going to work. And I think it's the same way. Some, but it, it comes in time when someone's doing comedy. Time. And a lot of comics now don't notice that a lot of these young kids I always talk about this how everyone has 30 minutes no you don't and right, they don't right, get right. that but it, it's it's and joke writing you know people don't write enough and then people who say they're writing all the time then you go well if you're writing all the time how are you doing all this material when you only have seven minutes how are you working right, on an right. act and well, cultivating it and I think I think a few things um, a lot of things come into play like what you what, what you just said like First of all, like, are you performing for different types of audiences? Because some people sort of insulate themselves by performing for one audience, which I don't think is bad. You get good at it. But I think it, it creates a, a thing where, you know, and I think now comedy's been, it's been very segmented. So, like, maybe that's the way to go. Right. I came up in a time where you're trying to be universal. You came up at the same time with me. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and we were used to that. Like, for me, in two weeks, I'm headlining this show, a Castatoris. And it's a Latino crowd. Right, right, and right. My, but the funny thing is, the guy who booked me, I've worked with his, and his name's Ray Camacho. He's a very nice guy, funny guy. And he sent me a message. He goes, you want a headline? And he goes, the crowd will love you. And I'm like, before, I was like, wait, you know, they might want Latino. And I'm like, you right, know, I right. don't care. I'm like, no, my stuff will work across the board. Yeah, yeah. And I can go that way. I can make a Chapolin reference right, right, for right. a white ball guy right, making right. that. But it's true. I mean, I think the times we started together, you had to be universal. Had to be universal. There yeah. wasn't any segmentation. Right, and especially for me, my comedy sort of journey took me from New York. I got a job in Boston in technology. Okay. And then so when I started in New York, I started at black clubs. And that's, I'm not really known as a black comic. I do black clubs. I, 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 you know, I'm friends with the black, all the other black comics. I'm not like the guy in that circuit, but I'm not like anti that circuit. You know right, what yeah. I mean? Well, I think that happens a lot. It's like a friend of mine, Keith Robinson. Right, right. He, you know, he started off universal. And of course, the bottom line is it's all back then because, you know, there was a lot of paid work. Right, And the right. bottom line is, hey, you know what? If a crowd says, if a, if a booker says, hey, you know, it's going to be a black crowd. Well, you know what? If, you, if you're a black act, do it. I mean, you, right, you, right, you can right. still do your, the thing is, you can still do your same act pretty much. You just got to get into it. Yeah, 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 and that's the thing. And it's like, and exactly. a lot of uh, kinds of black crowd wants more energy. Yeah. But Keith was very energetic. And it was, so it wasn't, you know, and that, I think it happens a lot. So where was the first night you ever, you got on stage? What was the first um, night? The Uptown Comedy Club in, okay. in Harlem. Okay. And, uh. And how I got, how I met them, I went to a black business expo. It was just a showcase of black businesses, you know, like, I think they still have it, but in the 90s, it was like, um, I don't know, I think, I think we were more conscious in terms of, like, black people, or maybe I was just, because I was in school, maybe that's my focus, was, was on that sort of thing, like, you know, support black businesses, that sort of thing, and there was a black, there was a comedy club, they had a booth. And this is after I didn't get the job at Microsoft. Okay. So I walk up to their booth and I'm like, "Oh, how did you perform?" And they were they were they were the best. They they were like, "Well, we have a sh a, a, wor a workshop on Wednesday, so if we 
we let our new guys go on Sunday. But to get on Sunday, you have to come Wednesday and do the workshop. And um, just like a one, you sit down, it's like an hour, and it, this is a setup, this is a punchline. Right. And I do it, you know, so I would go to the workshops. I met Tracy Morgan there. Okay. And um, he was always great, you know. It's weird. When I first met Tracy, I was like, I should learn how to impersonate him because he's going to be completely famous. <laughs> right. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. It's so, instantly, I knew he that. Is, <laughs> what I love about him is he's so funny. Like, like even when he's doing Letterman, he's yeah. so random that it's hysterical. And he's so much smarter than oh, he yeah. lets you know. Well, it's funny. Yeah. Is, uh, do you know Tishon Shannon? Yeah, yeah, I think well, I know Tishon. Yeah, yeah. Tishon wrote for Sunday Night Live, and yeah, he yeah. would write for Tracy. And he said the amazing thing about Tracy is he said Tracy is like a one of those big roller coasters. He goes, you know, it's going to be scary. It's going to go here and here, but you know, at the end, it's all going to be safe and it's all going to work. And right, he said he was right. just, and that's what's he's so smart. And I mean, and for his character, what he does, those things. You have to be smart because someone stupid can right. pull that off. Not at all. I, mean, I watch all. him and I'm like. That makes no sense, and and yeah, I go, yeah. wow. Like uh, one, I remember the funniest thing. One of the funniest things he said, he riffed it in one of his movies, and he was like talking to someone. He's like, you know, you ever beat up a Puerto Rican for sweatpants money? Like, what? Right, yeah, it's what so that? random, but it's what? just funny. It's hilarious, it's hilarious. So yeah, I, I started at, and it, it was trial by fire there. Okay, because it was basically they had a new Jack segment. You get on Sunday, the host. Um, Material Ivy would say, this is the New Jack segment. If you like them, whatever. If you don't, you know, boo. But it, Okay, so it was pressure. I mean, there was pressure. pressure. Yeah, they didn't encourage booing. They were like, he said it. It's not the Apollo, but at the same time, you know. And so, it's weird. That first show, I did really well, which I think you tend to do well your first show. But I was doing, like, song parodies, Michael okay. Jackson impressions, you know, just... Were you always uh, an impressionist when you were younger? Did you do a lot of impressions when you were a kid? You know, it's weird. I, I I don't think of myself that way, but even when I moved to Boston, like someone I had met when I first moved to Boston, I did a show with him like two or three years later, and he brought me on stage, and he was like, this guy's a great impressionist. And I did, I didn't, I was like, I don't do impressions. But, okay. <laughs> but I guess I did. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, huh? Wait a right. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry you filled you up. I kind of, I think, I think, you know what, you just, in life, what what get what you get rewarded for you do more of right and that's why guys who jump forty inches off the ground usually are not great jump shooters because it's like I kind of jump forty inches and I dunk on people and then that year that first year that they only jump thirty eight inches right. they're like ooh I'm gonna start learning how to shoot you know what oh, I mean? yeah. and that's just you know you you don't want to be that way that's just human nature so for me I don't know something happened where I stopped being in, in doing impressions but yeah I, I remember that first set I, I was doing Arsenio Hall it was and I did well. And then the next time I didn't do well, and I just kept coming back, doing well or not doing well. And that was that summer. Then I went back to college and um, didn't really do it. Because, yeah, you're studying. That makes right, sense. Right, right. And then, you know, when I moved to Boston, when I graduated, I finally, okay. Well, Boston had such a great comedy scene. I know. It was like, I mean, so where did you pursue the black clubs again? Or did you sit there and go, well, was there black clubs in Boston? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there were, but there was like, in Boston, there was a guy named... Um, Jonathan, what's Jonathan's last name? He he's the guy. He's the guy in the black comedy world. And um, forgive me, I'm forgetting his last name. But there were black rooms, but there wasn't a black club in Boston. Like there's plenty of plenty of black people in Boston, but just it was like these random rooms. So okay. it was just there was just way more white rooms or mainstream rooms or whatever. And um, but I but I would still open for the black acts after a while. So like 
black people in Boston knew me. I opened for Cedric the Entertainer. Like, it was weird. That's I got my first standing O opening for Cedric. And then he brought me on the road and I, I bombed <laughs> in like the South and the Midwest. How, and how, did, like how that. did that happen where you hooked up them? Because when you moved to Boston, yeah. did you start hitting Did you start hitting it a lot? Because you, you, you said you had a uh, job up there. Yeah, yeah, but I, w- I, was, uh, I was hitting it pretty hard. Like I was, I was driving to, to New Hampshire on a Tuesday night. I, was, I wasn't sleeping. I mean, that's, that period of my life is fun, but it's like a blur in the sense that I, was, I, I remember driving home sleepy every night because at the time I, I didn't move straight to Boston I lived 40 minutes okay. outside of Boston so I'm going into Boston I'm doing shows I'm driving back home I'm going to work the next day it's just it was like a whirlwind I was you know working out hanging out with friends you know it's like like the my 20s so I guess I just had a lot of energy and know? it's so funny especially when you start off you know it's the comic and, and I mean I think it's a lot more back east it's that camaraderie where you would sit there like I mean you know even if you had to get up the next morning, like we, you know, we'd right. sit there and if there was, because there's so many clubs in the Philadelphia area, and you knew you'd converge on the South Street Diner, right? And you'd yeah. be like eight acts there, and you just sit and you just talk crap. Because it's one thing about comics, we gossip like little girls, <laughs> right, and we'll right. trash someone, and you yeah, know, when yeah. you leave the table, they're trashing you, right? And, right. and you so you you end up sticking around for like three hours when you could nowadays it's like when I get done I leave right right I'm like right, okay right, I'm done exactly, I'm gonna go, I'm, exactly. I don't feel like hanging out but it was weird so you're doing it you're Boston now you're, you're getting a lot of work now yeah I started getting a lot of work I start working uh, for the Boston people like Dick Doherty Billy Downs um, I'm doing uh, all the you know I'm doing Nick's comedy stop right. I'm doing the Kowloon I'm doing um, Giggles you know working for um, um Mike, his last name, it'll come back to me. I don't know why names are escaping me now. But right. I'm, I'm doing all the, I'm doing the comedy connection. Yeah, so after, you know, I'm middling, doing all that stuff, opening and on middling and just, you know, I'm and driving. getting paid. Getting paid, yeah, but not enough. I mean, it's weird. You know, the, the first time I thought maybe I should not have a day job, I was in the back of the comedy connection talking to uh, Jim McHugh, who's a really funny Boston comic, really quick, too. I know that name. Really quick. He's the quickest person like it's between him Jimmy Part and Jimmy Pardo for the quickest just sort of like bantering right super quick and I remember I was hanging out with this girl really beautiful girl and we were in the back and it just like I felt like I was really in the scene you know and um and Jim says oh you know what I'm I'm doing Toronto next month you know you know why don't you yuck yucks yeah I'm not, I can't remember what but I, and I opened up my day planner you know it's a book back then right and I'm like oh yeah I'm literally just like like no second thought I'm like okay yeah I'm free those days and I'm writing down and as I'm writing I go wait I can't do these at all I actually have a day job right and, I, and I, the fact that I just completely forgot I had a day job that was when I was like okay I need to address this because it was so weird like it's almost like it was second nature to you it, that was your life second your nature day, your yeah. day job was just something right. you went to and you're like yeah so now so when did you make that step from quitting your day job and was that scary when you did it it was it was very scary. I did it twice in a sense. Once I came uh, I came to L.A. in like late the late nineties. A lot of people don't notice, but I was at USC. I'm 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 still going on these two paths, right? Okay. So I get into USC business um, school, the grad school. As a master, okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm pursuing an MBA, and I'm like, great, it's L.A. I got a free ride. I'll I'll go to L.A. and make that happen. And again, it's no sleep. I'm I'm like. And graduate school is easy, but it's harder at the same time. You know, it depends on the program. Because, like, I think I, I was I was always sort of an underachiever. So when I went to in my undergraduate school, I don't think I had to work quite as hard. 
you know, like I worked, I did what was required, but I, I was never in a position I feel where everyone around me was as smart as me. Okay. Like that, that doesn't, that, that hadn't happened too often in my life. But then when I went to grad school, that was the case. Like it was, cause I had come from like the lowest level undergrad school everyone else there had been to USC UCLA Harvard Princeton like whatever they went as an undergrad and um, Duke or whatever and I'm there and I'm I'm holding my own but the the notion that I can sort of like do this half half ass uh, you know it was like you're you're in the big leagues now it's not not like little fish it's like now you're playing with people who are smart right and, and, and I'm still like Doing comedy, right? You know, like I'm, I'm, I would like, I would like have a speech, and for speech class, I would go do comedy in Westwood. Wouldn't get home because I had I had an eight a.m. class every day. Wouldn't get home till like two, three in the morning. You know, I would sleep four hours, and sometimes it's weird. I would dream my speech. Okay. And and, and I didn't even I didn't plan on it, but that would be like my practice run. I hadn't done the speech. I, I would dream the speech. And then get up and then go and do the speech, that kind of thing. But I was, you know, I'm, I'm a performer, so that wasn't too bad of a deal. But it was just so, like, I was dating a girl at the time, and she said to me, I always thought you would make it, but now I don't know. And I, she was referring to me splitting my, you know, my, my, my loyalties. So I left, I left grad school, and I went back to Boston. Okay, so you, so, okay, so, but you, you said, okay. Now, did you and like- I was doing fine. I wasn't, people, see people asking, were you failing? No, I would never fail. Right. I just can't. I can't fail. Not 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 in an academic setting, you know. <laughs> so so you so you leave LA. I leave LA, yeah. And it was going fine. I was doing well, but yeah, no one really I was under the radar. So I, I was able to leave, no no fuss, no bus. Okay, you know? so you know, when you went back to Boston, how long were you away at that time? Uh, I was really in LA only like eight months. Like okay. I did two semesters. So when at you go USC. back to Boston, do you say, okay, what do you do? Do you just start doing comedy or do you go back to work or what do you do? Both, right? So, so you back into that situation. I go back to work. I'm, the people I used to work with, they were at a different company. They hire me. I'm working on, uh, at the time, I was working on um, Y2K stuff. Okay. You know, like making all the digits, four digits right. and stuff like that. And that's going well. I'm making good, good money. I'm living with the girl I was dating. That's going well. And then my comedy just starts even more, you know? Um, because I think there was a void in Boston comedy. Because at this point, um, Patrice is gone. Because he's a Boston guy. Patrice O'Neill, good okay. friend of mine. Billy Burr. You know, they, they come back, but they were all gone. They were going back to New York or L.A. Yeah, yeah. Because they had to um, get out. Yeah. Robert Kelly was gone. Dan Cook was gone. And, and you know, like the, 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 the sort of the pillars of Boston comedy, the guys who would be on the Mount Rushmore, they're still there. They're never Sweeney, leaving. Chance right, right. Langston, yeah, all those guys. Those guys are never leaving. But then, so that, that second class, it's like... You know, there's there's Paul Nardizzi and those those great guys, but it's me and Gary. Me and Gary Goldman are kind of like the new guys. Okay. And then um, and then alternative comedy starts to make a really a good push in Boston. There's a club in Harvard Square, and I'm 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 friendly with those guys. So, and basically my goal was to sort of like to justify leaving because not only did I leave grad school, I I already had a job lined up. When you got out? For, well, like, kind of, like, for the summer, I right. had a job at HP. Okay. Up in the Bay Area. I had that all lined up already. So, it was it was a lot to walk away from, um, but my goal was to get on TV before they graduated. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was able to do, I did Conan. Okay, so, like, you, no, you did, yeah. did they come up in Boston to find you, or how did that happen? Um, well, basically, it was weird. You know, sometimes, I think in life, that's to be sort of like a, a convergence of things. They saw me in Chicago. 
I went to Chicago for the, uh, they used to do a Chicago comedy festival for a few years. And it's weird because I was, I was at this club and I bombed. It was like, I was nervous. The crowd didn't like me. I ended up like leaving on an expletive, like F you guys. And I okay. dropped the mic, right? I left that club, went to another club, killed, had a great set. And, uh, you know, that energy, that adrenaline was pumping. The, the booker from Conan was there. I didn't know it at the time. The very next night, I, I flew back the next morning to Boston. The very next night, I had a showcase in Boston for Conan, for the Conan people. Okay. And he came up to me. He's like, I saw you in Chicago last night. I thought you were great. So, like, I, you know, I feel bad for the other guys because a lot of guys were in their heads. And they, we were giving all this weird advice, like, don't say hi to the crowd. You know, like, just, just stuff to make you kind of, like, not be yourself. But he walked up to me and said, I saw you last night. So you were fine because you, yeah, you, know, yeah. you had that stamp of approval. And they right, right. So I just, I went, I did my thing. I killed it. Then I'm at the day job because um, it was at the day job. I mean, I did my work, but I, back then I was one of the first guys to have a, a website and, and I, I feel horrible. I didn't really capitalize, but you know, I'd be like working on my website, doing my work. I got the call at my desk. Okay. And then um, they said, hey, you're going to do Conan. I put the phone down, went to the bathroom. Celebrated a bit. Screamed. Ah, yeah. yes, yes, more. <laughs> yeah, gathered myself, and then I, you know, I actually got bumped the first time I did it. That happens a lot. It's like Brian yeah, Kiley yeah. got bumped like three times. <laughs> right, right. You know, now he writes for him, which yeah, is yeah. funny. But he said, "It's like he, my friend Joe Matarese just did Letterman right, right. last Friday. He was supposed to do it two Fridays ago. Yeah, and I guess going for Letterman, they tape the Fridays on Thursday. Right, right. Tape. And so I'm like, one of you, I said." I looked in the guide. You're not only because they bumped me to this past Friday. Yeah. So you got bumped. Now, now, when you were you down there when they bumped you, or did you you were scared? I was there. Called you. I was there. I was at the show in makeup and everything. And at the time, um, they had Vince McMahon on the show and um, um, Adam Sandler. Okay. So they went long. They come. They came to me. They said, "We're so sorry we're bumping you." And it's weird. That's where I always get a little bit sort of like hit or miss with self-promotion because my mother is very su superstitious and she's one of these people don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing okay so i come from a family where we don't tell people what's going on because we don't want to jinx it or whatever if people wish wish us bad you know are not wishing us well and i told a lot of people i was doing conan then i got bumped and i'm like see i shouldn't tell people right but if you don't tell people and people don't know then they know. go why did you tell us right but people see that's fine because if people don't understand things like that happen right you do get bumped so now did they did they, were they did they put you up down there um they put me up and um the, the best thing is they sent us to eat and um so they went to a place called ruby foods me my mom my brothers and sisters um, my high school English teacher, who I'm still really good friends with okay. to this day, she was there, and my homeroom teacher, her 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 husband, and um, yeah, we like twelve of us. They they sent us out to eat. It was great. It was you know that that was a you know consolation. It kind of consoled me a bit. And they 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 said the bill was really low because we didn't drink. So they were like shocked. <laughs> so when did they reschedule you? Uh, like two or three weeks after. And then I actually did it. I think with uh, Giuliani and. I don't think this happens often. I went second, not third. Well, that's yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. happen a lot. Yeah, yeah. So how'd your set go? It went well. It went really well. It's weird because like earlier in my career, I, I've, my career has gone up and down in terms of my energy level. I mean, I've always had good timing, and people know me for being sort of a good, subdued storyteller. But within that, I've been within my range, more frantic and more. And you know, sometimes I'm sort of like it's like manic. Like sometimes I'm manic, sometimes I'm lower. 
but I've always had an ability to look calm when I'm nervous. Okay. And uh, I think that, like, I look really calm. Were and you, it, were you it, really nervous? Yeah, at least for the first joke or two until I got the, you know, got the big laugh. So you get done Conan. Yeah. Conan. 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 Yes. Conan. We actually, we went to see his taping out here. Brian Kiley got his tickets. Oh, nice. It was fun. It was great. It was a great time. And Jimmy Pardo has been on the show before. Jimmy does warm yes, up. Yes, yes. And then Jeffrey Ross is one of the guests. And it was just, it was a great show. Oh. And it's a, he's so, it's a great show. But so, so you do Conan. Yes. So now... How do people at work react? Are they did they did you tell people at work you're going to be on it or I mean, <laughs> I did. Did, they, did they know you were doing comedy or did they weren't really sure or did they, um, they had their own lives? Some people did. I, I was my my thing was like I'm if you ask me what I do, I'm going to tell you what I do that pays my bills. Right. So I, I wouldn't at the time I wouldn't necessarily tell you I did comedy because that's not what paid my bills. I mean I made money doing it, but that's not, wasn't my primary source of income. So now I'll tell you I'm a comic. Because it's not something else that I do. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, they they react. But a lot of them had seen me perform at shows and stuff. So they were cool with it. They were pretty happy. And uh, what's great is that I was dating this girl at the time. Kind of dating this girl. But but I was able to uh, watch my set with her. Okay. Back in Boston, because I flew back actually. Okay. So that was that was great. That's yeah. cool. So now you, you have your TV. You have, and, and it's not it's not like a Comedy Central thing at the time. Right. Right. No. It's it's Conan. It's I Conan. Mean, it's, yeah, net, yeah. it's network. NBC you know? Conan. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, how does that change your career? Does it change it at all? Does it sit it, there and do you can you now have you are you jumped up the headliner or were you headlining already or wh- where were you at in your well, career? Well, it's weird. You know, it it changes my career in the sense that it allowed me. I think it helped with me doing the Montreal Comedy Festival. It helped me with me doing premium blend. Okay. It helped to get me out here, and and which, you know, I can argue either way. Should I've come here or not come here when I did? But I think um yeah, I think it helped in terms of that 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 exposure. But I think in terms of headlining, the tough thing uh, about being a Boston person, you know, New Yorker, but a, a Boston comic is that Boston is sort of an insular, insulated kind of thing. It's not right. like the rest of the country where, you know, like. They're touring comics who do the Midwest, they do the South, they do the Pacific Northwest, but they don't do they don't do New England because New England is sort of self, well, that's self-contained. Like, that's you know? like Philadelphia used to be. It was, right, it was right. the comics from New York and the comics from Boston and the comics from Philly. Right, and right. that's who did it. And you're right. There wasn't people. You never find people. But then, you know, back then, the comics that were coming in from New York, I mean... Or Bobby Collins, you right, know, Donald right. Rare would always show up. He's from Philly, you know. Then across the street, the Comedy Works. It was you know Wendy Liebman, you know Steve Middleman, Paul. Right, they were all right, acts right. that were out of New York or in LA. They come back, and that's weird. So he said, "So you, but you're working." So now, when do you quit your job? Um, I quit my job after I do the Montreal Comedy Festival. Now that was uh, you did Conan, they yeah. did Premium Blend, same year. I did, I did all those things the same year. Yeah, Montreal Comedy Festival, New Faces, with like um, you know Daniel Tosh. Gabriel Iglesias, um, Gary Goldman, um, Vinny Favorito. Okay. These are the guys I did it with. Vinny's I'm, a Boston guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting some guys, but really funny guys. It was really great class. And um, Dom Arreo, host. He's okay. the host, you know. And so, um, yeah, then I move out in L.A., and I'm just doing my thing. And, so you, you know. decide after Montreal, you do well, and you say, I'm going to move to L.A. now. Right, 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 yeah. Now, I, now was it, I mean, because you had lived here for a while before, so it was, now where did you move to? What, what area? Um, I first moved to like a Culver City adjacent. Okay, which which is great. But then uh, I was living with a girl, who, not 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 you know she was just a roommate. We weren't we were just friends. But her boyfriend was moving in. So then I moved to the valley. Okay, and um, which was cool, but it was you know super hot and 
I was I lived with another comic, and um, so it was good times. I think. Um, oh, I'm sorry about that. I look, I look back at my my time, and I'm like, I probably would have been better served staying in Hollywood, but uh, I don't I don't like to look back. I only like to look forward. You know. Yeah, you can't yeah, look yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, that's like anything. So you come out to L.A. Yeah. And now you have Montreal Comedy Fest under your belt. You have Conan. You have Premium Blend. You have a bunch Blend. of stuff on your belt. Yeah, yeah. How's the reception to you when you get out here? It's good. It's good. I, I think, you know, I think in my career, I think I've done almost everything I've wanted to do. Like, I've done international stuff, uh, performed for the troops. I've performed for not for the troops. I've done, you know, scores of, you know, I've been probably performed in like, I don't know, 15 countries or something like that. And I, I get a Comedy Central half hour a few years later. So it's all good. It's all good. I, I've even, you know, corresponded for Jay Leno. So yeah, things happen. Now, now okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're out here for a while. Yes, yes. And you're getting this stuff. How does the correspondent? Because I know I just said uh, you probably know Joe Maderos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just on yeah, last no, week. Joe, yeah, yeah. And then there was another guy who's actually he lives out here. He's from South Jersey. He's friends with a comic from South Jersey named Jay Black. They write together. Something. Uh-huh. His name's uh, uh, Brian Herslinger. Okay. And he was a correspondent. He had done the movie Drew, uh, Dating Drew, so he became a correspondent on the Tonight Show. Right, how right. did the, how did now had you done did you had you done the Tonight Show? I, I hadn't. I hadn't. So um, how did they find you? And I did the Tonight Show with Conan actually. Okay. Um, back then. Back with, then. How did you? Well, you know, it's weird. I knew the Tonight Show bookers. I knew Bob and Tom. Excuse me, Bob and Tom, Mark and Ross. <laughs> um, Bob and Ross. Mark, I'm using. I'm mixing last names and okay. first names, but I knew them from. Um, from uh, Last Comic Standing and just from the scene and you know I didn't think that they were into me and um, and also sort of like you know I knew the Tonight Show like the, the certain the jokes are really tight and I write tight jokes and I'm like uh, I don't know if I if, if I'm gonna like you know have the five minutes ready so I never really pursued it just okay. yet but I, you know I, I knew them we were friendly and they actually recommended me for a few other projects and they, they've been friends of mine then I did I actually opened for Leno at the Comedy Magic Club. All right, and um, he does it every Sunday, and they needed a host. And you know, I'm 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 on my point. I'm on point. I'm doing my best of you know. And Leno was like, "Oh, this guy's really funny." So he goes to the bookers and like, "Oh, how come we haven't had Dwayne on the show?" And then they call me up and they're like, "Dwayne, you got us in trouble. Like, we know you. You didn't. You never approached us. We, right? Okay. You know what I mean?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, guys." And so, um, so then when when Jay moved to ten o'clock, they said, "Oh, do you have any ideas?" And I. I pitched them a bunch of a bunch of ideas, and they ended up using my segment called uh, "Great White Moments in Black History." Because you know what was that? What was that segment? It was um, it was it was so great great because I would come in and do like all of them in one day. Basically, it's me. It's like like the more you know. Okay. You know? So it would be like it was almost like a public service announcement, and I'd come out and you know say this great white moment in Black history. Like the first one was like you know mid nineties. Uh, talk show host Ricky Lake starts using the phrase "You go, girl." Okay, which makes black people stop using it. Okay, now did you write these Thanks segments, or did you yeah, work I, with the writing staff? I wrote like eighty percent of them, and okay. then they would they would punch them up and help me write them, and I just shot a bunch of them. You know, did you shoot them in in a, in a film aspect or just in as a, in front of the crowd? Like, no, 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 in a in a in an empty studio with a white screen behind, and I'd walk out in a suit. Okay, and you know, like we had one about. Um, Andy Hildebrand, who created Auto Tune. Okay, that was that was probably the best one because it was like thanks. I was like uh, mid '90s. Doctor Andy Hildebrand uh, creates software called Auto Tune, which corrects vo- vocal pitch. 
allowing marginally talented rappers to skyrocket to the top. Okay. And then I said, thanks, Dr. Andy, held the brand. And they auto-tuned me. Okay, all right. Yeah, so, you know, it was like, it was great because it was just a bunch of them. And um, Now, because you're, you're on a national show and you're doing this, it's a recurring thing. Are, yes, you, yes. are you starting to get recognized when you go out? Do people sit there and go, hey, yeah, that's yeah, the guy? Yeah, but, you know, it's weird. I think, I think you know, um, all of show business is uphill and until you reach that apex, it's where what, what we think is overexposed. Like where you where where someone thinks oh that person is overexposed, they're probably not even half as exposed as they could be. Right. Especially now with a, a thousand cable networks. So yeah, it helped a bit. I got some you know I think it helped with my bookings more than any, anything else. Now yeah. how how did the Comedy Central half hour come about? Um, I think I think you just sort of get into that pipeline. I think once you do Montreal and you do either live at Gotham or premium blend back then I think you're in the pipeline I just probably sent them a half an hour videotape you know like I'm friendly with Comedy Central through the years I've I've uh, you know I've sold them a pilot okay um, presentation a pilot I've done shows at the Comedy Central stage so you know I've had a relationship with them you know and that's why I, I feel like I've done everything in comedy you know and I, I've now self-produced a book I've done everything except uh, get a TV show and I've written on shows, but like being like a staff writer. So those are the two things I haven't done: is get my own show and be a staff writer. Now, that's what I have left. <laughs> okay, well that's good though. So, so yes. the uh, the Comedy Central was it weird for you to do a half hour set? I mean, because and is it weird because I know they edit that stuff. Yeah, so you know, is that it's sort of weird. Like, could you, you know, I think when you're you're when you're your act and you get used right. to doing your act, you're sort of a purist. And then if someone edits it, you it's must tough. be like, you may be like, what the hell? Well, some guys control that. Some guys sort of um, will force their hand by doing only 22 minutes because uh, what it, you know I guess it's 22 minutes after they you know with the commercials, commercials right, yeah. yeah some guys do that some guys will request certain jokes some guys will uh, curse on certain jokes even though they, they can believe about the curses for me I think you know I, I, I think my comedy edits well okay you know and I've, I've even had some editors tell me that like you know based on how I talk the pauses the movement it, it edits it's, you know, so if you like, I have bits that you can take out half the bit still works. All like right. Some guys be like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you want to be there and control that, but um, I've I've been, I I don't have much trouble with much with uh any much of the editing that has happened in my my comedy. It's been pretty good actually. So now you said you performed in a ton of countries. Yeah. How did that come about? Did you go? Did you have you ever gone out for the tour for the for the troops? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how it started. You know, I feel like in life. It's the same reason I will never buy a gun. Okay. Because <laughs> I just think uh, it's like a, if you build it, they'll come kind of thing. Right. You know, I, I believe in that, f on that, like the secret before the secret even came out. So I was supposed to go to Indonesia when I was at USC to do like um, they have a, an exchange thing where you go over there and you for a few weeks and you study business and, um, you know, that was like, you know, international businesses blossoming. And so I left before that trip was going to take place. Okay. But part of that, me, me, part of that was I had to get a passport. I never had a passport before that. So I got a passport, did not go to Indonesia with the school. And, um, yeah, and then I, I went back to Boston and me and the girl I was dating, we went to Paris, went to Canada. And then one day, uh, my friend Courtney Cronin, when I came to LA, she's like, oh, I know this guy who books the troops, shows for the troops. You should come do a set, and I I went to do, you know went to perform for him. The next week he booked me in uh, Japan and Okinawa, and so it started with that. But then it just sort of just grew from there, just to sort of like 
in Montreal, I met a guy who was a South African comic named David Cow. He's one of the most famous comics in South Africa. And it's weird. Like, in Montreal, uh, a guy named Ian, Ian Wilson booked me to do Live at Jungles, which is a... a Sort of like their version of the improv, okay. live at the improv, in England. So I did that. I did that before I did Premium Lynn, actually. So okay. I did that, and I'm, I'm going back since. So, you know, it's just sort of like one thing leads to another thing. And somehow I got, I may, I may have sent someone an email or something. I got the Nether- Netherlands. And so it all everything builds on everything else. How does your comic tra- to comedy translate? Is it different? Because there's different words. Yeah. There's different slides. Right, I mean, right. Is it, is it weird when you go over there? Or, I mean, is it like you sit there and you, you, have, right. you have to take like a yeah, set yeah. that gets you in sync when you're like, wait a second. Well, you know, you want to go a little slower. It's weird for me because, <clears> like I said, I have I started out more of an act-out guy. And I still do act-outs. But I am more of a storyteller. So if you're an act-out guy... What do you mean by act-out? Well, like, we all do act-outs. But sort of like if... If the main, like for me, I present, present a joke that's just a joke, and then then I may embellish with an act out. Okay. You know what I mean? And some people, the, when they present the initial joke, there's an act out. So if you do impressions or characters, and it, it, it travels better because these people, they speak English, but it's not their first, right. first language. So I think, you know, it definitely can make you more animated because more, the more animated you are, the better. You know, like 50 Cent does better than other rappers in like Thailand and these places because he has hooks okay. and things that people can you know they can really get behind as opposed to like intricate things that are like you know like if I learned I'm learning Spanish but if I was going to watch something in Spanish it'd be pretty you know like it had to be simple enough for me to catch it right you know okay, I mean? okay so you know but for me I think I'm just lucky well in, in the UK you're all you know you're all set because they speak English and in the other places, you just got to slow it down a bit. But it's amazing. I just sent some guys my, my clips. Some guys in India and in, in, um, in uh, Norway. And they, they, they just get it. I mean, we're just lucky to speak. I have Actually, I have two friends, very good friends, who are from Norway. Yeah. They live here now. And uh, some of the stuff they don't get, I have to explain. Like, we were watching Two and a Half Men <laughs> right, right. one time. And uh, they're like... They're looking and I'm laughing and I go, that word means, like, oh my God, yeah, but, but mostly they're hip into the, right, what right, we say. Right. And I think because over there they start you te- teaching you English at a very young age. So these yeah, guys speak yeah. well. I mean, the accent's stronger when they speak and if they're around other Norwegian and they go back and forth. Which right, for right, any right. language, that'd be hard to flip from speaking a language and, oh, turn around and speaking English and go back. Oh. You know, and even though they both understand it, they understand Norway, Norwegian better right, than right. they would speaking English. Yeah, when I was in the Netherlands, I, w- I was on shows where half the show was in Dutch and the other half was in English. It's crazy. Right. And some guys who spoke both would just go back and forth. Same thing in South Africa. Like, South Africa's crazy because they have, like, all these languages. And it'd be a guy on stage speaking, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the seven or eight languages. Go back to English. Go back to that language. Sometimes dip into Afrikaans. It's, it's just it's amazing. Crazy. It's amazing. So, so you said you're working on a book? Yeah, well, I ha- actually have a book uh, available on Amazon. It's an e-book. And um, it, it'll be available in hard copy too, called Hot Chocolate for the Mind. Okay. Back in, um, back in, I, I became a more of an avid reader since I've been in LA. I, I always wanted to, I feel like I'm always trying to correct the errors of my past. And I've read a, a lot for school, but not as much as I should have. But I, I found David Sedaris, uh, you know, many moons ago. Oh, great, great. And, uh, Holidays on um, Ice is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Holiday, and uh, yeah. Me Talk Pretty One Day too. So he's inspired me. So I started a blog in 04. And I just, you know, pretty religiously write this blog. And I took, 
um i mean it's amazing how how much material i had you know so i took the best blog entries funny essays and stories from my travels and from being in new york being in la and i comprised it into a, a book called hot chocolate for the mind and yes. that's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. So you can yes. get it for your uh, you can get it for your Kindle, or do you get you can actually get it for Kindle, iPod, iPad. You know, like it, it it goes across devices actually, but it's currently available on Amazon. Let me tell you something about it. It's so funny about the Kindle people. And this is truth. I have uh, this uh-huh. tablet, say uh, Google Nexus Seven, oh, which nice. is like the, it, it can you can read it on that too. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know that, but right, then right. I downloaded the Kindle app because right, a friend right. of mine, Nicole Naiman, Naiman, whatever name is, wrote a book uh-huh. when you're in California, and I said I'll get it. You know, because you know she's cool. And it was like it was on sale for like ninety nine cents. So I was like, Right. And I was like, how do I get it? And so, yeah, you can download the Kindle. So, now, the acting. I've seen you were in an HBO movie called The Gristle. Yeah, that was the first Now, what was thing that? I did. That sounds familiar, but it was... You know what? It's weird, because it, since then, there's been a movie similar, but that was an indie-made movie. It, it, it had a, a distinction. I think it was the first movie that was made with a certain type of loan, which escapes me right now. I don't know if it was a house, a home loan. Somehow these guys found a way to finance a movie that was brand new. Okay. And I just, I played just, um, I was literally a guy in a bar looking for directions, you know. And um, well, Who was in it? Any big um, stars? Michael, what's his name? Thorn, um, the guy from, from Star Trek. Okay. Who plays Worf. The thing I, on his okay, head. I, I don't yeah. want to watch Star Trek. His right first here. name is Michael. And he's in it. Um, um, I think I named Paul. He's in a bunch of stuff. But he, Michael is the, the main guy. And so ba- that movie is just about basically there's a guy, there's some drug dealers who are, you know, transporting coke. And there's uh, some guys work at a hospital and they're um, selling a, a kidney illegally. Okay. And so somehow um, they're selling this kidney to some rich person who needs a kidney and the coke people are selling the coke and they somehow that package gets switched up. All right. So, um, you know, the people with the who's supposed to have the kidney have the coke and vice versa and uh, it's a, it's a good movie now, had you acted before that um not much just an acting class okay you now, know, like, now have you is that one of the things you want to do is act oh definitely definitely you know it's so weird i just split my time up so much um bobby kelly kind of robert kelly you know i don't know next time i see him i should thank him because he actually is the one who got me my first acting teacher in boston and um definitely definitely since then i've done like I said, I did the thing for Comedy Central. I, I shoot a bunch of shorts on my own, um, some pilots, and, you know, just staying busy. Now, what's yeah. Target Audience 9.1? Um, that's an indie movie where I play, I play, uh, you know how you have a target, like a, a focus group? Right. So I'm in this room, and I'm, we're a focus group. What we don't know is that the people interviewing us are aliens, and they're really just trying to sort of learn how humans are <laughs> and so that yeah that was fun that was actually a lot of fun and that's probably all of this is probably available out there in the ether somewhere you know so what i mean what do you enjoy more comedy or i struck a, a, a comedy for sure more than anything now there's a struggle for second place is that acting is that writing um it's tough i think you know, it's like a point guard who likes to score, but also likes to pass. Right. You know, something about hearing someone else say something, hearing some someone else say something you wrote, and that be funny. There's something really magical about that process. But um, 
I do, I do. I, I'm sorry. Wow, man, that thing again. I do enjoy the acting. I really enjoy the acting. But I would say writing. So I would say stand up, writing, then acting in that in that order. Now, do you go on the road a lot? Because I, I hate auditioning. You know, oh, yeah. I like I love acting though. But yeah, everyone hates auditioning. <laughs> you always see the same people. It's like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, do you go on the road a lot still? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I. It's weird. My road work is sort of like this year. I'll be on the road. A lot. Like, where are some of the places you'll be going? Not, not this year, literally. But this year, well, this year I am. I'm going to Singapore this year in um, September. Singapore, Hong Kong, Macau. And are they comedy clubs or is that um, a combination? Some comedy clubs, some comedy rooms. Okay. And probably, you know, it's not. We haven't fully inked the deal, but maybe Australia, India. Okay. And then in, in town, you know. I was in New York recently. I'll probably do some Midwest stuff, you know. Do you not? Do you enjoy the road? I mean, because I mean, I always say the road seems like it's a young man's game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's true, <laughs> and I think because like for me, I I, I I have a heart condition, so I need to eat right healthy and uh, stuff like that. It's really hard to and do that. You can't and outside that's the thing of you want LA, to, but because yeah. you're stuck with diners and stuff like that, and even like club food and. Uh, I'm not going to go into the tirade about it, but even like when you go to restaurants that even say it's healthy, it's so loaded with sodium. I yeah. my sodium. It's so loaded with sodium, and you can't, and it's just a yeah. different lifestyle. And you work with a young comic, and you're like, yeah, yeah, just go crazy. And well, it's tough because, you know, I've this whole entire time, I have been and I still am a non drinker. Okay. So that, 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 that is more defining than anything else because it's sort of like. When I'm in England, especially. Oh, because I, I mean, I can it, imagine a pub scene, everyone's just drinking beer. It beers. really comes into play. It's sort of like. I don't know what to do with myself. You know okay. what I mean. So, do I like the road? I don't know. I mean, I, for me, I do. I, if I'm when I'm in LA, if things are not really cooking, I'm like, I need to get on the road. Then I get on the road. Then I go, I need to get back to LA. So it's you know, you know, like it's always the grass is greener type situation. But I keep my. It's weird because I, I know they say consistency is a hobgoblin of a, a small mind, but I, I I'm all about my my routine. So when I'm on the road, I'm you know. If I can work out, do some writing in a coffee shop, sort of keep that flow going, I feel like I'm I'm honoring my what my choice in life. I'm honoring my my craft. So the road can be it, it can be lonely, but no matter where I am, I'm going to find a coffee shop. I'm going to work out. I'm going to. Do you write a you lot? Know. I mean, what's your writing process? Do you do you sit there and go, okay, I'm going to write today? Yeah. Well, for your blog, you have to write. Right, right. That's the thing. My my writing. When I say writing, I'm mainly talking about. Blog, uh, so screenplays and stuff like okay. that. Jokes, I write jokes, but they just come to you. you know? Right. So yeah. that's the weird thing about the blogs. And that's what's hard about the blogs is keeping it up to date. I used to do a blog. I used to do a blog called Cooper Thought. People you can still find it at CooperThought.com. I'll check it out. Where I would take, I would, yes, I would yes. just take like five jokes from Twitter because right, right, I would tweet right, right, and right. I have factors and I would just put them up. And that's so easy, but then you lose thing and then you go okay well I haven't posted in like three months right, and then right, you right. go well no one gives a crap now because you don't post it yeah. you know, so it's it's weird like that because you get used to it oh completely I had a video blog and I didn't keep it up so that, that kind of went by the wayside luckily my written blog I've, I've kept it up you know a lot of it too is you, if you can join forces like like I've never really I'm always so busy with my content that I don't sometimes take enough time to build those relationships you know like because if you're you know, if you can be on Huffington Post or, like, if you can build those relationships where, okay, you have this audience, let me come to you and, you know, sort of um, get some synergy and, and parlay that. But, I, I, I you know, I, I find that uh, if you if you falter, you just start again. You know, like, for me, the blog, I probably haven't gone two weeks without writing one. So, how, how often do you update it? Um, it's weird. You know, I usually do one a week. Yeah, I usually do one a week. But sometimes... 
I'll have these things called blogathons. Okay. And I'll say, I'm doing a blogathon, and then I'll do one a month, one a day, excuse me. And I've done that. I've done one a day for a month, like three or four times, and that's a lot of fun. Now, the, the, the blog is called Amusing Musings. Yeah, Amusing Musings, or um, um, also, I bought the website. I have the URL to averyfunnyblog.com. A very funny blog? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you do it on there? Yeah, yeah, like if you type in averyfunnyblog.com, it'll go, and then, because I didn't want to be... Uh, too too high on myself. I also have a funny blog.com. <laughs> okay. And now 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 your website is dwayneperkins.com. Yes, and yes. That's yes. W that's D W A Y N E Perkins, of course you must spell it. Now on there it says you have uh you can buy stuff. What can you buy on your on your website? Um you should be able to, there should be links to my two CDs. Okay. Now what are your two CDs called? Um one is called um she ate my haircut. Now, where'd you where'd you record uh, that? At? I recorded that in uh, Sacramento. Okay, Laughs Unlimited. Um, and the second one, oh wow, they're both in the Bay Area, or oh, kind of not Bay Area, but Northern California. The second one is called Dwayne Perkins to the Rescue. Okay, and I recorded that at the Punchline in San Fran. Now, do you, do do you move a lot of that stuff? Do you sell the stuff when you go to the show? Or I do, I do. Yeah, I mean, I'll set up a table. I'll, I'll sell. I'm not, you know, for me, like. You know, now that I have the, the book, you know, Hot Chocolate for the Mind, what I do is I collect email addresses and I'll give away a free book okay. to, to one of the people or two of the people, whatever. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm always half and half with the commerce, like, because, you know, they just saw a show and you just had a relationship with them. And there's two schools of thought. One is they want more. Right. And another is, well, you kind of just, they, they pay, they, they bought two drinks. Don't try to get any more money from right. them. You know, so I, I, I kind of toggle between those two schools of thought. So I don't always sell, but you know, I, I try to leave something behind. Now, now, do you tweet a lot? I do, yeah. I, I tweet once or twice a day. You know, I know that's not as a lot compared to that most is people. Though, you know, that's cause, like, yeah. for, it's so funny. And I always crack up at Twitter because it's like my tweets link to Facebook. And yes. I see people putting it on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, why are you going to follow me on Twitter if... You already seen the post on Facebook. Right, I always crack right, up. Right, I think right. a lot of times the the followers is like an ego thing. Like, oh, I have this many people following you, and I'm like, I don't give a crap. I have I have like what thirty seven hundred. Right, right. People at Cooper talk if you want to follow me, but it's like I'm like, yeah, you know, I care if people retweet me or they favorite my stuff. That's what's up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm at Funny DP, and um, you know, the thing about tweets, what I what I think is that I tweet, it's fine. Hour later, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I could have said it this way, you know. Because you got the 140. And then you don't want to delete it. You, you don't want to delete it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, up, upcoming, I know you're, you're, is it this weekend you're at Pachanga? Yeah, I'm at Pachanga uh, this weekend. Um, I don't know if it's the 9th and 10th of this weekend, though. And um, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Two shows a night, right? Two shows a night, Friday, Saturday. And uh should be a blast. I'm looking forward to that. And Have you played uh, there before? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I lose track. Anything else coming up in the near future in the area? I know anything gigs. Um, well, you know, in LA, I'm always, you know, I'm, I, it's weekly though. So I'm always at the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. I'm at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach and in Hollywood. Okay. Um, just, just gigging around town and posting blogs, trying to, and, uh, you know, letting people know that the book is out as well. So the book's on Amazon. It's on, it's on Amazon. So yes. if they go to Amazon, they'll just Google it. Yeah, yeah, if they go just to Google your um, name, Google Google within Amazon. Yeah, just um, uh, yeah, hot chocolate for the mind or Dwayne Perkins, and they'll see it. You know, I call it that because it just seem, seems like the blog started to have a sort of an inspirational okay. slant. Not that that was my goal. So, um, and I, I I don't I'm not about the soul. I'm I, mean, I am, but I'm more like I, like goes back to the engineering thing. Just 
So it's for your mind. I want I want to elevate your mind. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, Dwayne. Thank you. It was Steve. a fun Thanks time. And uh, people yes. just check them out. DwaynePerkins.com. Follow me at Twitter at Cooper Talk. Please email me Cooper at Indy100.com. Uh, I always respond to the emails, but sometimes they bounce back. It's very weird. You can also find my blog, which I don't update, cooperthought.com. Find past episodes, um, www.coopertalk.net, coopertalk.net, or go to Stitcher Radio or iTunes, and you can type in one word, Cooper Talk, and I have about 150 episodes up. Follow me on Twitter, because you can hear me once a week when I'm in L.A. on the Big Daddy Graham Show on WIP Sports Radio 94 in Philadelphia, talking Hollywood. Also, um, coming up, some great guests. Next week, I have two great actors. I have Robert Picardo and Richard Romanis, and in the next few weeks, we have Claudia Lanau and Steve Scrovan. I want to thank you people for listening. Cooper at Indy100.com. At Cooper Talk, my name's Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. You guys have a wonderful weekend.